the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 204 for April 25th, 2010. An iPhone goes missing, new hardware from Dell, and Joey's flipping out. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. Brought to you by Netflix and supported by listeners like you, subscribers to The Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked. More information at thecellphonejunkie.com. This show is also supported by The Cell Phone Junkie podcast application for the iPhone and iPod Touch, now available in the iTunes Store for $1.99. Into the news this week, we're going to talk about some Q1 numbers, actually Q2 for Apple here as we started off. They're reporting $3 billion in profit for the second quarter of fiscal year 2010. This was their best non-holiday quarter ever. They had revenue of $13.5 billion, and they said their gross margin was 41.7%. That's up from 39.9% in the year-ago quarter. They shipped almost 3 million computers, but more importantly to this show, approximately 8.75 million iPhones. That's up 131% from the year-ago quarter. They also shipped almost 11 million iPods during the quarter, which was down about 1% from the year. Their guidance for the third quarter of the fiscal year 2010 is expected to have revenue of $13 billion and uh, earnings per share from $2.28 to $2.39. Apple's stock has been just on a tear recently. They were just over $200 a few weeks ago. They're at $270 a share right now. Analysts are predicting that they're going to get to approximately $320 a share before this whole thing is over. So if you're interested in purchasing stock, Apple may be a good way to go right now. And their earnings from the second quarter definitely showed it. Nokia uh, posting their quarter one profit as well. Apparently there were some concerns about their smartphones, but not too many. Their net income was $465 million, which is up from $162 million from the year ago quarter. They, however, missed the analyst targets of around $545 million. Uh, They did ship 107 million units in the quarter, which is up 16% from the year ago quarter, but down 15% from the fourth quarter of last year. They had 21.5 million smartphone shipments in the quarter, surging up 57% from the year ago quarter. So smartphones still making up about 25% of the entire shipments for Nokia. They're doing very well as well, the number one maker of handsets here in the world. Ericsson, the world's largest equipment vendor, posted a net profit of $174 million, which is down significantly from the $238 million from the year ago period. Their sales fell 9% as uh, reported with Nokia Siemens Networks uh, this past week as well. They were uh, definitely weaker in the first quarter than they were the first quarter of last year. The company's gross margin did jump about 40% up from 36% of the year ago period. Now over to the carriers. AT&T posts some pretty solid gains for the first quarter of the year. They gained 1.9 million subscribers, which is a record for the first quarter of any year. They now have 87 million total subscribers here in the U.S. Their revenue was up 10% from the same period last year, and postpaid ARPU increased to $61.89. Postpaid churn fell to its lowest record ever at 1.07%, and overall churn decreased to 1.3%. All in all, 2.7 million iPhones were activated. Uh, That's uh, one-third of them new customers to the AT&T network, alongside 3.3 million 3G integrated devices. So out of the 3.3 million new 3G devices on the network, 2.7 million were iPhones. 
And that's uh, pretty good news. So roughly half of AT&T's 65 million postpaid subscribers have an ARPU that is on a uh, a 3G integrated device that's 1.7 times higher than other customers. So people with those 3G devices, obviously, you know if you're one of them, you pay a lot more because you've got the 3G data services. Over to Verizon, they added 1.6 million net subscribers in the first quarter, but their growth has actually slowed quite a bit here. Uh, The firm's biggest growth came from the 1.3 million reseller customers, and Verizon has now total revenue of $15.8 billion. That was for the quarter. And they have continued to emphasize that they are continually the biggest carrier here in the U.S. They've got 87.8 million retail subscribers. For connected devices, they've got 7.3 million other wireless connections. Now, that's an interesting stat, something they've never talked about before. That's either a machine-to-machine, an e-reader, or some other type of device, not a connected card like you find in computers or a cell phone. Their churn was relatively low as well, 1.07%. The data revenue was up 26.4%. We're seeing a trend with all these carriers is that their data revenues are up and up every single quarter. Exceeded the 33% of Verizon's service revenue. It was an increase of 27.9% from the first quarter of 2009. And in the quarter, 30% of retail subscribers had 3G devices, 17% had smartphones, and 13% had multimedia devices. So lots of very good numbers coming out here in the first quarter for the most part from the different manufacturers and the carriers. Let's talk a minute about our tech-savvy Supreme Court. Of course, the top highest judges in the country here are talking about all sorts of different cases, and this week they got into one that uh, was between the city of Ontario versus an employee named Quan. And the case was examining whether the California Police Department had violated the constitutional rights of Quan when it inspected the personal text messages that were sent and received from the pager that was owned by the city of Ontario, California. And in the arguments that they were talking through, Chief Justice Roberts came out with the question, uh, what is the difference between email and a pager? So if you were a little uh, confused as to what the, this case was about, apparently so were the justices. Justice uh, Anthony Kennedy asked what would happen if a text message was sent to an officer at the same time as he was sending one to someone else. He said, would you get the message? Your call is important to us. We'll get back to you. Uh, next one here, Justice Scalia stumbled into getting his hands around what is a service provider asking, you mean the text message doesn't go right to me when it's sent to me? And then finally stated, could Quan print out the little conversations that he was having and send them to his buddies? So the justices of our Supreme Court, Joey, not exactly on top of things when it comes to technology. No, not really. But uh, I guess it's they don't really have to be in most cases. I look at these things and I really wonder how how did how did these people get by? I mean, it, I understand maybe not understanding the ins and outs of how a text message flows through, you know, from a device through a carrier and stuff like that. But to ask a question like the difference between an email and a pager that that's just not right. Well, when you're, I mean, very isolated with what they do from pretty much everything, uh, I guess I can understand. I think it's really rather ridiculous, of course, myself, but um, eh, it's that their job is to make, uh, you know, major legal decisions, not really know what a pager is. I suppose. Okay, well, maybe we'll get some young blood in there soon and can explain, you know, the difference Uh, between... Don't count on that. Pagers and email. No, don't count on that. Anyway. 
The FCC this week overturned a 2007 decision about rules regulating wireless roaming. Wireless network operators are now required to offer voice roaming services to other carriers in areas where those carriers own spectrum but have yet to build network coverage. The new rules make it mandatory for carriers to forge reasonable agreements about voice roaming. The FCC also indicated that it would be giving thoughts to applying the same rules to data roaming. I'm not sure how I feel about this one. I understand the idea behind it and they want to make sure, you know, they're looking out for the best interest of the consumer. But, you know, if a carrier has made the decision to build out a network and has got technology in place that can allow for roaming of other customers and just because another carrier hasn't built it out, I don't know that that's quite right. Yeah, I don't know either. It's uh, it's, it's kind of a strange story. I, I thought, you know, businesses are supposed to be able to kind of, uh, you know, do this on their own. So I, it is a very strange story and I I wonder if this won't make it uh, because it, it does it doesn't seem quite right the idea behind it is that the FCC wants the money that would be ex- spent to expand voice networks to actually be spent uh, expanding the broadband services in these areas and so that's kind of the bottom line with it is that they're they're really hoping that it's it's for the data side but um, nonetheless it's it, it doesn't uh, it, you're right it may not pass well and that makes more sense to me for sure you know to have spend the money towards data and not voice because you can run voice over data and frankly it's i mean the data is just infinitely more powerful than the voice channels well we'll see what happens with that one but yeah definitely something that's just out there right now and uh may or may not actually get passed some interesting stuff happening over at palm apparently there's been some shakeups going on over there a few executives have left recently and now the rumors that ceo john rubenstein may be replaced. Again, this is still a rumor. Palm is obviously suffering quite a bit here. We've talked a lot about uh, their products and, and, and whatnot and what's happening with them. But again, we're, this, is, this is just speculation at this point. Uh, but if you were to ask Mr. Rubenstein, he says that he's convinced that they will continue to survive, Palm that is, and they don't need to be acquired. They also uh, mentioned that the possibility of being licensed or having their operating system licensed could be something that comes on in the future here. Uh, he said in interviews with the Financial Times and Market Watch that he's confident that, granted, they have hit a speed bump. Palm has suffered through sluggish sales of the WebOS devices, uh, and they are looking forward to Palm surviving as an independent company. So as a Palm user, do you think this is, uh, he's just kind of, you know, saying what he has to say? Or do you think, you know, based on a lot of stuff that's happening right now, they can actually make it without having someone pick them up? No, I think they can make it, Mickey. I mean, they're not ever going to be a real big seller because, I mean, they never really were. They, they've, they've always kind of fallen to the competition pretty quickly. But that doesn't mean that they're not moving quite quite a bit of handsets still. And it doesn't mean they can't be profitable. Obviously, they probably have a lot of expense in developing the WebOS and these new devices um, that they're probably uh, trying to make up for right now. But it doesn't mean that they, they can't trim down and actually still be profitable, even though they may be the smallest on the on the uh in the in the the stores they may be kind of the smallest represented uh manufacturer you know there's still you know rumors out there you know uh chinese computer maker lenovo is exploring a bid for them htc has said that they're going to be passing on them um obviously palm is not really saying anything about the rumors that are going on but uh, there's a lot. There's a lot out there. There's concern in all, you know, the the analyst side that 
there's something that's going to happen with Palm. They don't know what it is. They could get purchased. We don't know. Uh, so you know, the, the the higher ups at Palm are saying everything is okay. We're we're going to make make our way through this and whatnot. And we're going to talk a little bit about here in in the software news some stuff that was happening too, with uh, at some development uh, conference that they had this weekend. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. But again, Palm's saying that they are confident that they will be able to continue on with what they need to do. Well, first sponsor of the day, help support the cell phone junkie by signing up for a two week free trial of Netflix. Plan starting at $4.99 per month, 100,000 titles to choose from. Keep each movie as long as you want, no late fees ever. Free shipping both ways, free delivery in about one business day. Cancel anytime, and as a bonus to your DVDs, watch some movies over the internet for no additional charge. Joey and I appreciate your support of the show by signing up for a free trial of Netflix. So my pick of the week from Netflix was Up in the Air. This is a George Clooney movie where he racks up 10 million miles flying around the country firing employees very interesting movie a, a, a kind of a strange twist at the end which i won't give away uh, this was a popular movie of 2009 and uh, definitely worth the rent if uh, you're looking for you know something you know to watch here and george Clooney does a great job in it i definitely enjoyed it hmm. so mickey i saw a couple things I saw dilbert a tv show an animated thing i uh, watched a bunch of those episodes this week and i may have mentioned before but it's very funny um also another movie that was posted uh, i think this has been on there for a while but uh, the movie called hot shots with charlie sheen it's just one of those spoof um comedies it was kind of a spoof of top gun just a riot i just love those i saw that movie back boy 15 years ago maybe that's been yeah. around for yeah it's long been a long time long time but uh, you know that and like naked gun uh, those movies are just uh, they're just so funny well yeah the, definitely if you're looking for some comedy netflix has it if you're looking for a romantic comedy like up in the air definitely uh, check out netflix again real easy to get signed up head over to the cellphonejunkie.com there's a link on the right side of the page that'll get you over to the netflix page and get you signed up under a free trial of the cell phone junkie or through the cell phone junkie. And uh, we appreciate your support of the show by doing so. All right, let's talk about some devices here. Obviously, the big news of the week, Apple's next iPhone. Gizmodo got their hands on a device that was left in a Redwood City bar. That's Redwood City, California. It looked a lot like the iPhone 3GS, but when the finder of the device took off the case of it, he noticed it looked a little bit different. It's got a front-facing video camera that could be used for video chatting, an improved regular back camera that looks like it could possibly be up to 5 megapixels, also has a flash with the camera. It's got a micro SIM instead of a standard SIM, and that SIM slot has been moved from the top of the device over to the right side of the device. Uh, it looks like a very, very nice display, something that's uh, approximately double what the current display resolution is, although it could not be uh, corroborated as far as what the exact display resolution was just because when the Gizmodo finally got their hands on it, it said that it was on the Connect to iTunes screen and they couldn't see much more other than it looked really, really good. It also looks what could be a possible secondary microphone on the top of the device that could be used for noise cancellation, although I've seen some speculation that that's not exactly what that is and that it could be used to uh, put a pin in to pull off the back cover or something like that. There's also split buttons for the volume, so if you are not happy with the current buttons on the iPhone, there are now split buttons on the left side. And also power, mute, and volume buttons are all now metallic. Some changes to the device. It is a little bit heavier, about 3 grams heavier. The battery is larger, 16% larger than the battery in the current 3GS. Everything is very squared off, and it's got an aluminum border that goes around the entire outside. 
There has been a lot of coverage of this one. Gizmodo got a very, very big scoop with this device. Approximately $5,000 was spent to pick it up. If that's if uh, senior editor Jesus Diaz is uh, can be quoted by saying that, and that was from CNN. And uh, this was all over. I mean, Joey, we read this thing from every major news source that was out there, not just you know the uh, the guys from you know the tech blogs, but everyone was picking this up. And so I'm sure everyone that's listening to this show has already heard about this. But some some interesting stuff here. I I personally think that this was a mistake. I don't think that the person who lost this, and we're not going to mention his name because he's been smeared everywhere. Uh, but it, it, I don't think it was you know intentionally done by this person. I don't no. think this was some sort of you know conspiracy to get this device into someone's you know hands and stuff like that. It, it just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that that is the, the typical Apple thing to do. So I think it was just guy at a bar, drunk, lost the phone. That probably, unfortunately for Apple, I guess it's uh, it, it's bad because, no, they want to introduce the device with Steve Jobs holding it with the excitement and the buzz and the live bloggers going crazy on their little keyboards. I mean, it's that this is not how uh, these things are supposed to be released or announced. And uh, especially with the fact that it had a, a, you know, a concealment case around it to make it look like a 3GS, uh, 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 especially with that. Um, and, and anybody, you know, seeing some over somebody's shoulders, them browsing with the, you know, web OS four or not web OS, but the, the, the iPhone OS four is not going to know the difference between three and four. So, uh, you know, with that concealment, it's that it's totally the way it was. And I'm, I'm sure there was a lot of speculation that this is not going to be the final device but i'm sure this is what it'll look like um they, you know they do have to change the style up a little bit i mean it's it's a new iphone so let's make it look different and it's this is probably what we're going to see hmm. i like the idea of putting aluminum around it but i i really wish it would have been a full aluminum back that's this kind of the the style that's everything is you know we're seeing here whether it's the the imax the macbooks the ipad everything has got this unibody aluminum on it but probably would affect the rf too much if i had to guess Absolutely. Mickey, that's totally why it's not all aluminum because it is not good for RF because we've got so many radios in there. You know, there's the 3G radio, the regular GSM, the Bluetooth, the Wi-Fi, the whatever else that's going to be in there. It's just not, uh, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. So unfortunately there could be some trade-offs here with the look of it, but if you haven't seen the pictures, link in the show notes, of course, for gizmodo.com's full gallery of the pictures of the new device. Apple says they want it back and Gizmodo says absolutely we'll send it back to you. A uh, letter from the senior vice president and general counsel of Apple was sent over to Gizmodo formally requesting the return of the device to Apple, which they said that they did send back, but not before they dissected the device and found out that it does not have a user-removable battery. Now, the fact that they had dissected the device kind of tells me that there's no user-removable battery in it, but if you're interested in seeing the insides of what this device looked like, it uh, it looks like the inside of an iPhone. Uh, they couldn't get into it too much without actually damaging it, but they did say that there is no user-removable battery, and it does, the battery that is, take up about 50% of the inside of the iPhone. So there you go. Yeah, and that's no surprise there either that it's a non-user removable because, you know, frankly, most people get enough recharges out of their battery before the warranty's up, um, and you're onto a new device anyway at that point. So I guess I don't understand that. For me, I like being able to swap my batteries out in the Centro. They don't last as long as the iPhone, and I keep, you know, a fully charged spare with me to just swap it over and keep running. But, you know, this is what the iPhone users are just uh, used to. So uh, that I'm not surprised with. Uh, um, you know, one of the things with them receiving this uh, device, it's, it is interesting to see what will kind of fall out from this with the, the ramifications of them picking up this uh, device. It, uh, 
you know, stolen property kind of comes into question here, whether or not that it, it, what they knew they were receiving stolen goods, which is against the law. So we'll see if any legal fallout comes out to uh, Gizmodo for this. Well, and stolen versus found versus, you know, what are you going to call it? And it's, it's a device that was lost and there is California, uh, you know, statutes that say any lost property needs to be, you know, given, you know, the adequate attempt to be returned to its rightful owner and blah, 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 whatever. This device obviously was completely used for the gain of, you know, PR for Gizmodo, which, you know what, for the $5,000, they got, you know, way more than, than they, you know, thought that they probably were going to get from this. And the, whatever the amount is that they have to pay, if they do have to pay anything for any sort of civil uh, ramifications back to Apple for it could certainly, you know, not be, I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be very minimal. I mean, probably in the hundreds, if not low thousands of dollars. I just, I don't see it being a big deal for it, but yeah, definitely they could get their hands slapped for doing what they did. But guess what? They broke the story and everybody knows the name Gizmodo now. Yep. And everybody knows what the new iPhone is going to look like. Yep. So we'll see here come June, what ultimately happens with this one. I really hope the, uh, the gentleman who lost it though, uh, is not having too bad of a week, although it's got to be interesting. The new iPad 3G officially coming available this Friday, April 30th at 5 p.m. So if you've pre-ordered your iPad 3G, it will be here on Friday. And if you want to go pick one up at the store, you can do so. Just a reminder, you can get a plan for 250 megabytes for $15 a month on AT&T or unlimited data. And that is truly unlimited directly from AT&T for $30 per month come this Friday. Some Palm Pre information here, the AT&T Palm Pre Plus was unboxed and if you want to see some pictures of it you can over at Engadget not a lot of information has been given out about this one other than uh, it looks identical to the CDMA version of the Palm Pre Plus so check those out if you're interested also the Pre Plus and Pixie Plus coming to France this week if you are a SFR user you can now pick up a Pre Plus or Pixie Plus starting this Tuesday. However, if you want to go buy one in the store, you're going to have to wait until May 11th. Either way, you're going to be able to get yourself a Pre Plus or Pixie Plus in France in the next few days. The Dell Lightning, one of the other big leaks of this week, is the newest to be seen Windows Phone 7 device. This was leaked out by Engadget as well. The Windows Phone 7 device is a portrait slider made by Dell. It's got a 1 gigahertz Snapdragon processor, a 4.1-inch OLED WVGA display. Apparently has both AT&T and or T-Mobile 3G data uh, for 3G in it. 5 megapixel autofocus camera, 1 gigabyte of flash memory, 512 megs of RAM, and 8 gigabytes of storage. Also has a GPS, accelerometer, compass, FM radio, in support for full flash browsing. The ship date is currently pegged at the fourth quarter of 2010, indicating that it will be a Windows Phone 7 device. It looks like it also will have an upgrade to it come the fourth quarter of 2011 to get ready for the LTE availability on the AT&T network. So an interesting device there. This was just one of five leaks that uh, Engadget got this week for new Dell devices, though this was the only Windows one. We'll get to the Android ones here in just a second. The BlackBerry Bold 9650, supposedly going to be announced this week at Wes. If you're a BlackBerry fan, make sure you keep an eye out for the 9650 devices here that are rumored to be out for both Verizon and Sprint. According to the rumor, it looks like this device will be announced this week 
and may be released next week here uh, for the Verizon network and then the 9650 for Sprint coming just on uh, two weeks later, May 16th. So uh, we'll be sure to report on these. This is definitely, Joey, the 9650. I've been following it. We've been talking about it every single week just because I'm, I'm very excited about this one. I've got a Sprint account. It's ready for an upgrade. I think the 9650 is a great option, and I, I'm, I'm pretty confident that I'm going to be picking one of these up. Yeah, it's a very great option. They've got uh, basically all the features you you can get in a BlackBerry coming on this one. Um, it, it's just it's got a nice camera. It's got a nice OS. It's got Wi-Fi. It's got Rev A. It's got uh, the new optical trackpad, and uh, there, there's not much more you can ask for. And it's uh, also global roaming as well. Yeah, and I'm pretty excited about it. I, I I think that the the overall idea of putting together a device that brings in all of the features of the Bold plus the CDMA side is is very appealing to a lot of people, uh, especially on Verizon where they've been dealing with the tour. Actually, on Sprint too, the tours here um, for the last year. It's, it's, it's time to get an upgrade here, and, and that's what makes me so excited about it. Yep, tours are great, but uh, the name is horrible, and the Bold is a much better phone. Hmm, absolutely. If you're not a fan of the full QWERTY, possibly the BlackBerry Pearl 9105 will strike your fancy here. This is a T9 keypad BlackBerry, and this one looks like it could be coming out for a international release here sometime in the next few months. Again, Wes is going to be a big, uh, big announce. Some big announcements come up this week here, so we'll be probably seeing this one again here. But some screenshots have been leaked of the Pearl 9105, the BlackBerry OS 6. Another thing that we'll probably see this week. Screenshots of this one show the full browser that Rim has been working on uh, for the last few months here. It's a WebKit browser, so it allows you to do obviously multiple windows at the same time plus full. Uh, versions of websites sans flash and you'll be able to also do some nice switching between tabs very easily with it also a redone media player so if you're a media fan and looking to do some more with your blackberry it looks like the 6.0 operating system is going to fit the bill for that other big things include modal pop-ups and gestures if you tap and hold uh, on a touchscreen device you'll get a nine icon group centered on the screen which is basically a contextual menu view so you can click on the email and then instead of pressing menu send you could tap and hold on the email see the pop-up window hits the send icon from there and it would be much easier and quicker to do things some other things that uh, we expect to see include composing email being a little bit more straightforward a cleaner user interface and a photo applications gallery that's a little bit more like the iphone so those are some of the things that we can expect to see this week in the new 6.0 software from blackberry Sounds really exciting, and uh, you know it's kind of nice that we're going to take kind of a, a next step towards the consumer side of the market, uh, the, the the OS style, you know, kind of you know, uh, you know, don't want to say it, but iPhone ish. Um, but this gives me a hint of feeling that we may be seeing a lot more touchscreen Blackberries, meaning that maybe some of the maybe a lot more of the higher end models of blackberries are going to have touch screens as well as the the standard navigation for blackberry i just get this feeling by the the descriptions they're giving of some of these um uh these new features that really lends itself to having touch screen integrated kind of like the 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 centro that i have i think it's not a bad thing for them to do i i like the idea of a touch screen on a device i think it works very well Keeping, though, a full physical QWERTY keyboard obviously is a very important factor for the BlackBerry user. 
But it does make sense to focus on the consumer at this point. They've been doing so much on the, the enterprise side, and they've got that customer, and the customer is you know very happy with the device. But they need to focus on where they can sell more devices, and that is the consumer side. So I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And most you know business users wouldn't mind having a better media player and a better interface. Oh, or a faster interface, yeah. Absolutely. I look at the the BlackBerry Curve that I have, and it's a great device. It it's uh you know it got the nice upgrades of of the things that I expected in the five O software, but yeah, it's still lacking things like a good browser. And in two thousand and ten, that's kind of unacceptable for a smartphone platform. And I, I think it's something that I really hope they can roll this out to all the older BlackBerry devices in the portfolios. Well, I wouldn't expect it, Mickey. Uh, maybe in your curve, but I wouldn't say anything older than that. It, it may be the tour, the current tours on Sprint Verizon, but maybe the latest versions of the Bold. But I, I wouldn't say it would be capable of some of the older devices, just because the browser probably is going to be way more intensive. I think so. I, I think it's going to take up a lot of uh, a lot of juice and, and a lot of memory and, and resources and stuff like that, which is okay. I mean, it's it's going to take it, you know, take the experience to a whole other level. And the BlackBerry user who is used to, you know, maybe only doing minor things in the browser will be able to do so much more now. So, uh, but some nice screenshots here, BlackBerry fans. I'm sure you're going to love these here. Click through in the show notes. Now, something that Joey's been flipping out about, pun intended here, the BlackBerry 9670 was unveiled. This is a CDMA clamshell BlackBerry with a full QWERTY keyboard. This is not the typical flip that you're familiar with on a BlackBerry. This is a full QWERTY keyboard with an optical trackpad in a clamshell form factor. Joey, the 9670 looks like it could be the BlackBerry for you. I love it, Mickey. It looks awesome. That's all I can say. I can't wait. I hope it has Reve in it. That's what I really, really hope. Um, other than that, that is perfect. For some reason, I just love clamshell phone. Mix. I've always loved clamshell phones. StarTac, I saw the clamshell. I loved it. Um, you know, it's it's to me, that is the way you should have a, a phone. I mean, it, you open it up to make a call. You shut it to, clo- to end the call. Um, and then your keys are protected. You don't have to worry about locking the keyboard. Um, I, I just love that form factor and I know lots of people don't like it, but, um, it's, to me, it's just the perfect form factor. Well, this one has got some great features on it. looks like a five megapixel camera, which would be a first for BlackBerry Wi-Fi, a 360 by 480 internal display, uh, does have that optical trackpad on it with the new operating system 6.0 plus a micro USB port and micro SD, uh, for internal storage and Bluetooth and this metallic finish casing on it. That uh, kind of reminds me of some of the accents that we've seen on uh, on previous higher-end BlackBerry devices. So seeing all of these specs here makes me think that this one could be uh, more on the high-end. Uh, you know, granted, I'm not really sure. We don't even know if this is going to be something that goes into production. Just granted, something that we've seen, you know, on, on some of these sites. No, exactly. And this is, uh, it's probably pretty early, especially since it's running OS 6, which means... I mean, the minimum we're going to see this is uh, probably September or at the earliest, I would imagine. I mean, in that's probably just going to be the announcement. We probably won't see this until November to be sold, uh, I I would imagine, because that's kind of usually what we see. You know, we usually kind of see hints of new Blackberries at least six months before they come out. So um, it's going to be a while. I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I probably will hold my breath here till this one comes out until we know whether or not it's going to be Verizon exclusive, which is possible because um, they do have exclusive on the storms, which I'm still kind of surprised about, but I really don't think so. I think we'll probably see this on both Sprint and Verizon. 
Yeah. Well, the Pro Flip is on both, and uh, the, well, the Verizon's discontinued the yeah, Flip right. now, and Sprint yeah. is getting it here in the next few weeks, which is absolutely bizarre because the it. I mean, the Pro Flip, the the GSM version's been out for at least a year, and it's been on Verizon for at least nine months. Um, yeah, probably around nine months, but they've already discontinued it. Um, it's a pretty decent phone. I've I've have some hands-on uh, time with it, and I like it. But this full QWERTY now that's the ticket. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice looking one. I, I I think it's for those that are familiar with the you know the the keypads on the um on the tour. This is very similar to it with the rounded off keys and and stuff. So um yeah, it looks it looks like it could be something. BlackBerry just kind of keeps throwing out different, uh, you know, different things. And I think it's kind of fun to see what they can come up with. So uh, great news there for those that are fans of the BlackBerry. Now back to those other devices that were leaked out from Dell. The first one here, the Dell Thunder. It's got the Android uh, operating system on it that could be 2.1 or possibly higher. Not sure about it, though. Uh, a 4.1-inch WVGA OLED screen. It also has customizations with the Dell Stage UI on top of uh, the Android operating system. It also looks like this one is going to uh, be uh, a device that is heavily integrated into social networking. It has got Facebook and Twitter integration, as well as a swipe keyboard on it for uh, typing in your text or swiping in your text, as it were. It also claims to have the Flash 10.1 built into it, as well as integrated web video through a Hulu application. It looks like it could be available on AT&T and world-friendly HSDPA versions sometime in the fourth quarter of this year, possibly an 8-megapixel camera on it and an LTE model to follow sometime at the end of 2011. The next one is the Dell Smoke. This one is Android as well with a form factor uh, that is completely different than anything we've seen on the Android system so far. This is a front-facing QWERTY keyboard, and this one is a WVGA screen uh, as well. Looks like it's got a 2.8-inch screen on it, 800 megahertz processor, 5-megapixel camera, 14.4 megabit per second HSPA, and a micro SD expansion card slot up to 32 gigabytes, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and dual noise-canceling uh, microphones on it in a 12-millimeter thin package. This one looks like it could be also sometime in 2011 before we see it, but definitely a thin device here in, in a form factor that Android fans have certainly been interested in for a while. And the Dell Flash, the next one here, possibly offering Android, Android Froyo in a dramatic package here. It's an 11-millimeter thick device. It's uh, got no physical QWERTY keyboard on it, but it does have a 3.5-inch WVGA LCD display with HSPA variants uh, in the 850, 1900, and 2100MHz range, topping out at 14.4 megabits per second, 5-megapixel camera with image stabilization, and microSD expansion up to 64 gigabytes. That is, if there are 64 gigs cards, this one looks like it could also be a 2011 device. In fact, we're seeing possibly late 2011 for this one. It also has a Qualcomm processor running at 800 megahertz here, compatible with the AT&T 3G bands and also having the Stage UI on top of Android. And finally, the Dell Aero confirmed with another leak here, a 624 megahertz processor with handwriting support on it and also DRM on it. This one looks like it could be coming out here very soon here, though it looks like 
uh, there's rumors that it could be possibly into the third quarter before it is actually shipping. It will ship with Eclair, according to the uh, rumors here on Engadget, and we'll have the WebKit browser with flashlight on it. Uh, the Dell Arrows look, looks like the one that we've been seeing rumors on for a while. So Dell, five different devices get leaked out here in presentations, and Engadget picks them up and posts all of them on the web here this past Wednesday. And I'm, I'm sort of excited about some of them, but I, I keep going back to the fact that it's still Dell, and not many people are familiar with Dell outside of the computers that they make. So I'm not sure that we're going to see a, a, just a real big uptick with these, although the hardware does look pretty nice. The hardware looks very nice. And the, the, the problem, Mickey, I think here in the U.S., they're just probably not going to be a big seller. But I have a feeling these will do pretty well in the rest of the world just because uh, of the market here in the U.S. It's just it, it's so tough to penetrate with the manufacturers. Um, and, and yeah, Dell, you know, Dell, they make computers and that's what they're going to probably be stuck with here. Uh, I definitely like the smoke. I, I like that front facing on there, that nice, tall, thin, skinny, you know, that, that's that's neat, neat form factor. But the problem is here, the, the, when these are going to come out, it's going to be so many months from now. Um, by that time, these are probably going to be stale-looking devices, uh, unfortunately, because you know, these things take so long to design and market and, and to develop. But um, you know, with the, the bigger manufacturers out there, they can move, I uh, think, a little quicker than, uh, and, and somehow copy these designs, which we saw like with the Sony uh, Xperia back, what was it, uh, last year? It just by the time it came out, it was so outdated it was, because it was such huge news when it was first announced. Well, and you're absolutely right, is that, you know, we're, we are talking about anywhere from nine to 12 plus months before these things come out. And, uh, you know, speaking of stale, uh, another news this week, T-Mobile and the Android-powered Garmin phone uh, released this week. This form factor, boy, this was released, what, two years ago? And uh, we, we finally saw it come to AT&T late last year, uh, though the Garmin phone now has a 3.5-inch touchscreen uh, and user interface similar to the previous Garmin Nuvi phone that AT&T has, like I just mentioned. Uh, Android will feature preloaded navigation uh, with, of course, maps, turn-by-turn directions, and all that fun stuff. But really, uh, I don't see this one gaining a lot of attention. Google Maps is on so many different smartphones now. I don't think you need to have a device that is centered solely around navigation. I mean, there's so many other things I think are are better to focus on as far as a primary feature in a device than this. But that's just my thought on it. Well, the t- market two years ago was drastically different than than it is now because uh, you know all the smartphone OSs basically have navigation built into it, uh, you know, almost. And uh, you know, two years ago, that'd have been great to have in a smartphone, but when it finally you know finally is out now, it's basically meaningless. Well, and here's the kicker: it's not priced yet. We don't know availability or timeline for it, other than it could be in the hands of consumers later this spring. So that that's no good. And I'm not saying it's probably it's probably a great phone for navigation compared to everything else. But, you know, if you're just going the bullet point, you know, feature list, it's it's a tougher sell. But it, not to say that, uh, you know, Garmin products usually are spectacular. I love Garmin navigation products. And uh, if I really needed a good navigator, I, I would obviously take a close look at this one. Yeah, I, I do like some of the features. And, and like you say, if you were looking for something that was primarily focused on navigation, obviously, this would be a good one. It comes with a dashboard mount and uh, also a, a charging window. Not exactly sure what that is, but probably a dock of some sort. And, and so it's, it's got some great features and, and accessories. It sounds like that are going to come with it that will entice people to get it. But again, it, there's so many things that smartphones can do now. Navigation is just one piece of the puzzle and it may work for you, but it's not going to work 
as a you know the primary phone that everyone on T-Mobile rushes out to buy. So anyway, just a, a point on that. Also, in other news, Samsung's uh, Reality came to Verizon Wireless. This was a new touch phone that has a slide-out QWERTY keyboard, a three-inch display running Samsung's TouchWiz user interface. Verizon is pitching the Reality as a social networking device and is uh, commonly going to be used for Twitter and Facebook uh, through a, a widget called Communities. It has a full HTML web browser, 3.2 megapixel camera with video capture, support for exchange, so that is nice. Also Bluetooth, support for micro SD up to 16 gigs, and the full suite of Verizon's Vcast services available from Verizon Now on a two-year contract for $80. Sprint and Samsung announcing the Restore, a phone made from recycled materials. 84% of the materials can be recycled, and at the end of the life of the device, it comes with a, uh, a full recycle uh, star of approval. Also, Energy Star rated and sideways slider QWERTY keyboard, 2-megapixel camera with video capture, optical joystick, support for micro SD up to 32 gigs. It will be available later this summer for $50 after rebates and a new agreement on Sprint. LG announced the Mystique this week. It's a version of the QWERTY Flip Lotus Elite. This is on US Cellular. The hardware features of the Mystique are unchanged when compared to the Lotus Elite 2 megapixel camera with video capture, Bluetooth, stereo speakers, support for micro SD cards up to 16 gigs, touch controls for the music player on the front face of the phone, and the user interface has been overhauled completely for US Cellular, bringing new touch capabilities to the external display. It's available at US Cellular for $80 after a new contract. Well, software news in just a moment, but first a word about another way you can support the cell phone junkie, TCPJ Unlocked, the bi-monthly premium podcast where Joey and I delve into some of the depths of the mobile phone industry, talking about all the things that'll give you your TCPJ fix. Sign up is easy. Visit thecellphonejunkie.com, click the link on the right for TCPJ Unlocked, then click subscribe to premium content and follow the instructions to get signed up. Thanks to everyone that supports us by subscribing to the Unlocked show. And we've got a great show coming up this week. We tell, delve into all sorts of uh, different things with the rumored uh, iPhone, uh, the next version of the iPhone that came out, as well as focusing quite a bit on the Palm-related uh, news that's been happening recently here. So if you're uh, interested in that, make sure you subscribe to the show so that you can listen to it all. And a very interesting thought by Joey. This is one that we're not even going to mention on this show right now on what could happen to Palm. Joey has a really, really good idea. So subscribe to The Unlock Show to check that one out. In software news here, Seismic, probably one of the better Twitter applications for Android, came out with a rather large upgrade this week with a trio of new features. For most, the features allow a new Seismic widget to be used on Android devices. Google has a widget for its Buzz service, and the new feature lets users read and tweet without having to open the full Seismic application. In addition, the Android app now supports Twitter's new native retweet feature, in addition to the older quoting method. Seismic also adds geotagging for Twitter's new location services. The improvements bring to the app more in line with the full Twitter feature set, and Twitter itself has uh, done some really good things here with uh, the online ways that you can update your status. And so Seismic, bringing all of those into the fold with its update. The Motorola Devour got an over-the-air update this week here. This one should be pushed out for those that have the device here. It's got improved response time in the menus, home, and back keys when they're pressed. 
Also, improvements have been made to ensure pictures are uploaded in the correct orientation. Uh, Also, email and calendar improvements have been made, as well as some other maintenance improvements as well. Devour 1.15.83 includes updated versions of Google applications as well. Well, Android ported to the iPhone. It has happened. A video displaying it all has been posted over at QuickPone, and this one showing an iPhone with rather limited features uh, working on an iPhone. Very interesting to see Android functioning on an iPhone here. And granted, the button mapping is not quite right. There's not enough buttons on the iPhone. And uh, so you've got to do some different key presses and combinations to make it work. But if you want to see Android running on an iPhone, text messaging is working, calling is working, Wi-Fi is working. It's all there, Joey. You can, you can get Android on your iPhone if you're willing to hack it up. Okay, way too much time in your hands. <laughs> okay, fine. It's still it's proof of concept. That's 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 all this is. It's fascinating. I do enjoy the hardware hacking. I, I think that is cool as heck, but practicality's sake, that's a big big a big zero. <laughs> yeah, well of course. <laughs> still kinda neat though. Android's market clearing the fifty thousand application mark, so good news there for Android software fans. You've got fifty thousand apps to choose from. Google recently introducing Maps for Mobile version 4.1 to Windows Mobile and S60 platforms. This new updated version brings voice search for Maps uh, for the first time to both platforms. So good news for both Winmo and S60 for Google Maps. Nokia to delay Symbian 3 and 4. Looks like they're also going to be cutting prices. Reuters reporting that Nokia will delay introducing the new version of the Symbian smartphone platform from the second quarter of this year to sometime in the second half of the year. Nokia had published an aggressive rollout schedule for successive builds of Symbian, with new versions debuting every six months. The S65 edition software is equivalent to Symbian version 1. Symbian version 3, which was to bring a major refresh to the platform's appearance and usability, was set to be available on the 30th of June. Nokia indicated that it will announce a Symbian 3 device by the end of the second quarter, but wouldn't reach the mark until sometime in the third quarter. Additionally, Nokia said that it has pushed the introduction of Symbian 4 from the later half of 2010 into sometime in the 2011 calendar year. Some of the competitors in the smartphone market are introducing phones this year, including Apple, RIM, and of course, a bevy of new devices from Android. So it has to come with a little bit of concern for the Nokia fans out there that they're pushing this off a little bit. However, they did slash the prices of its smartphones by 10%, according to Reuters. Nokia's E-Series devices saw the deepest price cuts. Nokia drops prices on its handsets at least once per year, and these looked pretty good. So if you're looking for a new Nokia device, check them out because they've been just reduced very recently. Google indicating that its user support forms are no longer seeking a fix for the Nexus One's 3G reception issues. A Google spokesperson said that while they're continuing to monitor user feedback regarding the 3G performance of the Nexus One, they're no longer investigating further engineering improvements at this time. If you're still experiencing 3G issues, they recommend trying to change your location or even the orientation of your phone as it may help in areas with weaker coverage. The Nexus One has been out for now four months, and many early adopters have complained of poor 3G performance on the T-Mobile network. We're going to talk a little bit more about that one here in a question at the end of the show. Google denying turn-by-turn service coming to the iPhone. There have been rumors floating out there that the free Google Maps navigation turn-by-turn application would be coming to multiple other smartphone platforms, including the Apple iPhone. Mac user reported that Google announced plans to expand the Android navigation service. And it looks like uh, from PC World, though, that we did not say 
according to Google, that we would have a set a date uh, on when they would be coming, that they would confirm that it would be coming to the iPhone. So it looks like it may not be coming for the iPhone here. So anyway, if you had any inclination that you'd be getting the turn-by-turn directions on the iPhone, Google says no. As a Facebook user, I found this story interesting. Joey did as well, and so we wanted to take a minute to talk about what this new change in privacy means to you. Facebook has made some changes to the privacy policies of its services, and now it's time to make some changes yourself. We're going to put a link in the show notes from a PCWorld.com article that goes into what looks like probably a 10-plus minute process of making changes to your Facebook account to get you back to the privacy settings that you probably want to be at. And Joey, I, I don't think we need to go into each of these that what you know what we need to. But uh, if you're a Facebook user, you probably use it on your phone, and you're going to need to pop into your account on the web to make these changes. Absolutely. You know, I, I this is a it's a very complicated process, and you know, I'm all for the online privacy and. I highly, highly recommend that if you don't actually want to do these things, make sure you understand all of those privacy options and web and application sharing uh, choices that they've now made available. Um, it, it's it's opened up a whole huge bevy of backdoor things that that friends of you can share anything that you've posted even though you've made it private to only your friends. So basically... Facebook is now saying, well, if you're posting it for your friends, they can go ahead and share it with the rest of the world, um, which to me is completely unacceptable. And uh, this is just horrible, horrible what they've done here as far as, you know, taking the privacy policy that you have set up in the past and just opening it wide up. So uh, make sure you definitely check out this article and make sure you understand all those uh, privacy options in Facebook. Yeah, lots of different things to to really understand with this. It's not just a, oh, they've made a couple of changes. That, I mean, Joey's right. You you really have to understand what they're doing here. A, a great article here kind of explaining in, in depth of what's happening with this. And uh, so a link in the show notes here. So take a look for that under Protect Your Privacy on Facebook. Well, the latest Facebook for Android application version 2 or excuse me, 1.2, adding messaging support. Uh, the feature for messaging allows users to view threaded messages, sent messages, and updates to subscriptions from their Android phones. Of course, the update is a free download in the Android market. Sirius XM coming to the top Android phones, the internet-based streaming radio application for satellite radio subscribers, is coming to Android devices, and uh, specifically the Motorola Droid and Nexus One are mentioned. Uh, while it could indicate that the service would require a faster Android device that is not indeed uh, been set at this point, users will get a seven-day trial to start, and then a subscription will be required to listen to the 120 channels of Sirius XM content, though the channel lineup uh, includes mostly music, news, and talk, certain premium channels will be missing, specifically the NFL, MLB, NASCAR, and Howard Stern, not available for the streaming online services. It will be a free download in May. Now, Joey, I, I look at this and I think, is this not basically the same service that's given to you when you subscribe to Sirius uh, and get the online streaming services? I mean, there's a lot of things that are restricted, aren't there? There are a few things restricted. There's definitely a lot of the talk stations um, in the, the, the like CNN and stuff. They were were restricted. They've opened most of those, but I'm really surprised that Howard Stern's not available so, um, on that because that's one of their bigger draws for Sirius XM. So I'm kind of, it's kind of strange what they've, they've uh, limited here. I wonder if they'll allow those that are actual subscribers to, uh, with have, which have a radio subscription, 
will then get different channels or if this is going to be because what, what this sounds like is for you know five bucks a month or something like that you can get all of these channels and stream them on your device um, but then you don't have a full subscription so I, I don't know if that's the case or or what well, that uh, makes total sense if yeah. you get a discounted uh, monthly rate because if you get just the internet only streaming option it's Basically, I think it's the 13 bucks a month, which is the same as just having a regular radio account, which uh, if you have a regular radio account, you can upgrade to the internet stream for $3 additional. Hmm. Well, and, and you're a big fan. I know that you, you listen to the streaming all the time. And, and I the, do. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's some definite, uh, you know, nice things to be able to do, especially if you're interested in certain content and stuff like that, that you are maybe not by your regular radio all the time. So uh, anyway, so that's, uh, that's that. Sirius XM coming to Android. And finally, in software, WebOS this week got some great news for certain developer things. The Palm Developer Day uh, went on this past weekend, and there's some new mic and camera APIs, along with faster services and a lot more stuff coming later this fall. Also, some new JavaScript background services will be allowed to run, and also uh, faster storage and cloud service synchronization. HTML5 will bring more speed and more standardization to the process. Also, an improved application catalog will also be coming to this, looking to be able to sort through applications for hot, paid, free, and new in separate application categories. So good news there for the Palm side uh, from the Developer Day conference this past weekend. Questions and comments. First one's a question from David. He says, I love the show. Been listening for a while now on Stitcher, but have moved over to Google Listen on Android because the application looks and functions better. How can I get the Cell Phone Junkie podcast on Listen? Thanks, David. All right, David. Well, the easiest way to do it is to go onto the device, go into the Google Listen application, then go to manually add a show and paste the URL into the feed. It's uh, the cellphonejunkie.libsyn.com dot com slash rss that's the cell phone junkie dot libsyn dot com slash rss i'll put a link in the show notes for that so that you can uh, just go over copy that and paste it uh, if you're interested in doing that from your device also if you haven't uh, figured this one out yet there is a very unique way to do the subscription syncing via google reader so if you use google reader uh, it will automatically and you use google listen it will automatically create a category for you in your Google Reader called Listen Subscriptions. And then all you have to do, either from a computer or from your phone, is go to the podcast that you want to listen to and add the RSS feed from it to your Google Reader under the Listen Subscription category. And automatically, all of the subscriptions that you have will be refreshed through Google Reader and uh, sent over to Google Listen. So it's a very quick way to add them. Um, I had all of my subscriptions uh, in my iTunes account, I went in, copied all the RSS feeds, went into Google Reader, imported them each one by one. It took literally, you know, a minute, two minutes to get all of them posted in there. Very simple, very easy, and just right away, they're all up there on the device. So, a real nice way to do it. And uh, the Cell Phone Junkie works very well through the Google Listen application uh, and uh, very easy to do. I'll put a link in the show notes here. JKOnTheRun.com did a great article about the different ways that you can add podcast subscriptions in Google Listen. This is a definite read for those that are listening to podcasts on their Android devices. Comment from Adam. He says, hello, junkies. Just a tip that I thought you should know that my coworkers discovered on the Opera Mini browser for Android and the iPhone. We work in an office complex with an open Wi-Fi network down the hall, but it blocks quite a few sites. However, by using the Opera Mini browser, we discovered that those blocked sites can now be accessed with our Wi-Fi enabled devices. Thanks. Like the show, Adam. Well, Adam makes a great point here. So Opera Mini, in the way that it works, is it actually passes all the web page requests through the Opera software's 
company servers. They process, compress, and then relay the pack, uh, the pages back to the mobile phone. That compression process makes the transfer about two to three times faster than actually going out, pulling all the data for the actual browser that you have on an Android or iPhone device. And then also can allow, I guess, you to pull down sites that were something that were restricted before. I guess that's the way that that's working. Yeah, because it kind of redirects the, the the packets to make it look like it. You know, they the physically the the address itself uh, where they're coming from is the Opera's server. So um, it, even though your title bar says that, you know it's the the site you're looking at, so uh, that's definitely a way around things. Because I mean, that's basically just redirecting it through a proxy server. Well, and I I will mention I think it's something you, you need to keep in mind though that when you're using a product like Opera Mini you re- need to realize that that all of your traffic is going through the Opera servers. And so if you're privacy conscious, you know, if you're logging into your bank account or something like that, all of that information is being transmitted through the Opera servers. It's probably not an issue, but just, you know, something to think about if you're, you know, doing some of this stuff online, you want to be careful that uh, you know where your data is going. So anyway, great tip there. Thank you much for that, Adam. Next one's a question from Jared. He says, the big question I have for the show is, is the incredible incredible enough for you to ditch the iPhone? I guess he's talking to me, Joey. Um, The incredible. So the deal with the incredible is that it's a Verizon wireless exclusive. And so I, I think it's a device that is definitely one of the hottest phones of 2010. If you're an Android fan or thinking about checking about and checking out Android, the incredible is a great way to go. However, I don't know that I'm going to make that switch over to it just because I do currently have a BlackBerry on Verizon and it is a company device. I will continue to keep a company device most likely and uh, do so on the Verizon network. So I probably will not be able to make that switch over though. The Evo 4G is certainly a tempting device as well. That will be coming out here uh, sometime this summer. But the problem with the Evo is that it will not allow for uh, putting that device provisioning it on a plan like mine, which is a serial plan. They require specific plans for these devices. And uh, here in lies the problem with a lot of the newer smartphones that are out there is they don't allow you to take advantage of some of the great plans that Sprint has. So unfortunately, I, I, I may not do that one either, but it's definitely a thought. But no, I don't think the incredible is incredible enough for me to ditch the iPhone. <laughs> yeah, and plus you you really like your iPhone right now, and that's uh, unfortunate. Uh, I mean, you got to try Ooh, out the Nexus One, man. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all right, you know. But you know, you've got a BlackBerry and an iPhone; those are pretty good, uh, you know, ends of the spectrum. They're really heavy consumer device and a pretty heavy business device. You know, one of the things that I, I'm really enjoying. Uh, about the iPad. And and I know it's not a phone. I'm trying to keep off of as much iPad talk as possible. But the iPad itself has has got such a beautiful screen. It it takes a lot of my, I'll just say, iPad desires and moves them over to a bigger screen. And it's actually, it's, it's a little disappointing now to use the iPhone. And those that have the iPad and an iPhone know exactly what I'm talking about. It's such a small screen. It's a lower resolution and whatever. And so this next generation of the iPhone is definitely an exciting one. And I think it's, it's going to, it, it, if it adds everything that we think it's going to add, be a real good thing. But I'm seriously considering, you know, I actually sold my Nexus because it was a T-Mobile version. And I actually had a friend who had had bought a Nexus off of my recommendation and ended up having it stolen. And so I gave him a real good deal and I sold it to him just because he needed something and he was a T-Mobile customer. And at the very same time, AT&T comes out and says, hey, we have, or Google says, we've got an AT&T compatible version of the Nexus now. So I'm actually, I keep looking at that one and thinking about buying another Nexus, but um, I I just, I don't know that it's, it's the right 
device for me to get at this time just because I've already had it. I've tried it. I, I don't need another one. And there's some new stuff coming down the pike. And I know the limitations of the Nexus. And honestly, it's uh, it's a great device. But, you know, for me, the iPhone is working a little bit better. Yeah. And, you know, Mickey, my uh, extreme opinion on, on Android still is that it's just, it, I'm not ready for Android and Android's not ready for me yet because it's too new of an operating system uh, for me. Uh, I know it can do a million awesome things, but it's it, it still needs some more refinement, to, in my opinion, just for, for the harsh critic that I am. I, I like things to be a lot more mature as far as the OSs go. Hmm. Well, that's that's a good point, too. It's it's certainly not, uh, it's, it's not a mature OS, like you say, that uh, may you know, fill the needs that everyone has. I mean, that's the bottom line. There's nothing perfect for everybody, but it, it is pretty good. No, and, and it's awesome that we're seeing so much uh, change in Android and these new devices. Every single, you know, feels like every week there's, a, a, you know, the next awesome, great device that's coming out that's drastically better than the one from last week. But that's, that's the problem. Um, if I buy one this week, next week it's already going to be outdated. And uh, I would like to have a little bit longer of a cycle time on the device that I buy uh, for it to be actually uh, pretty, you know, a, a pretty recent device. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. That's a good way to look at it. You're, you're, you're always, you know, the very, uh, the very rational person when it comes to these. So question from Jason, he says, Mickey, longtime listener, first time emailer to get to the point. I was wondering if the 3g signal problem that plagues the Nexus one on T-Mobile is present in the Rogers slash AT&T version. I haven't heard of anything, but I imagine if the design issue, uh, that would be why Verizon has yet to add it to their lineup. And the same issue would also happen across the board, including that AT&T version. Also, with the strained relationship between Google and Apple, how likely is it that the iPhone will allow for Google navigation? I know that Apple is stressed that they are very happy with their partner AT&T, but they have a rather mum, uh, been rather mum on the relationship with Google, which plays a big part in the iPhone. Example, core applications like Maps, YouTube, the default search, search engine. Great show. Sincerely, Jason. Well, Jason, as we talked about, actually, on, on a couple of your questions earlier in the show, first off, the 3G signal problem, Google has essentially stopped working on it, and they've said you know, that, that, there's, uh, that they're not going to be spending any more time researching any of the issues that they've had with, with the 3G on there. And I think for the most part, what they're saying with that is, is this is as good as we're going to get with the hardware design that we have. There's nothing that we're going to be able to do to make any changes to it. Now, I would say that the majority of the issues that I had with the T-Mobile 3G were because of the 3G coverage that I received from T-Mobile in the areas that I that I live and I work and travel and stuff like that. Not necessarily because of uh, the problem with the device itself. In areas where I had good 3G coverage on T-Mobile, I had no problems with the device. But let's just say this. If you have 3G on AT&T and you're looking to get the Nexus and it's not great service, I don't think it's going to be good on this device either. Yeah, and I kind of agree with you, Mickey. I mean, it may have been just the 1700 megahertz radio or the, the antenna may not have been exactly just right for 1700. Um, but yeah, it's probably a combination of the network, the metal case on the device, just the, the software of the actual radios itself. It's probably a whole combination of all these things. So yeah, it's probably, I, I wouldn't be, I would, uh, wouldn't be surprised if it's a little better, but maybe not drastically better. And obviously on the Verizon side of things, it's it's a completely different story, really, because it's going to be totally different radios, different uh, you know, different antennas. Right, and uh, yeah, that could be the reason why they're pushing it off too. But I think it's more or less they've been working on other Android devices here. Granted, they're gonna. I don't see why they wouldn't want it to be available for purchase, just because 
hey, you know, if they can get another device on their network because someone wants a Nexus, I don't see why they wouldn't do it. But uh, who knows? Anyway, and then as far as Google uh, iPhone allowing for Google navigation, we talked about that. You know, Google has no plans for that at this point. So whether or not uh, the rumors were things that were supposed to happen and are not now, or just, in fact, that rumors, it does not look like that's going to happen. But anyway, thank, thanks for writing in. Those are good questions. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just to, to go back to the Google navigation, it seems like Apple's kind of stepping away from their Google partnership a little bit, uh, probably, you know, maybe because they've got Android that's now competing pretty heavily with iPhone. And we, we've kind of seen stories and rumors and hints about that. Uh, you know, when iPhone was first released, you know, Google applications were a real big part of it. Um, you know, having Google Maps on there for the first time, you know, integrating device was a pretty big deal. But it's, uh, I think they're going to step away from that. So I would, I really wouldn't count on Google navigation. But you know, there are quite a few third party applications you can get to do that. Right. I, I wouldn't say that we're going to find ourselves with a device that's going to be uh, you know, an iPhone that's not going to have a good option out there. Um, I think the iPhone could be getting some sort of navigational services. I don't know if they're going to be Google-based. Um, Apple seems to be the type of company where they could figure out something and, and partner with someone else. I mean, they, they just kind of do that. But it would be nice for Google just because, you know, a lot of us use the Google services, but it doesn't sound like that is in the cards currently. But again, all speculation at this point, don't really know for sure. Next one is a question from Edward. He says, Mickey and Joey... Uh, I've used your podcast to consider a phone purchase in the past. I enjoy them as being very informative and enjoyable. Uh, I'm looking to get a new phone. My question is uh, if I should consider the Verizon incredible or wait for the iPhone to come to Verizon. So I guess my primary question is, in your opinion, the iPhone coming to Verizon in the fall as rumored. Thanks for your reply. Keep up the good work. Sincerely, Edward. So in my opinion, I do believe that the iPhone will be coming to Verizon. I don't know the timeline at this point. I would say that we have got a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of different scenarios. The first one is that the iPhone gets announced here, come up, you know, in June uh, on the AT&T service, this new, you know, piece of hardware. And then later in the year, we have a new, you know, CDMA version come out. I don't think it's going to come out initially with an LTE radio in it. I think I'm, I'm kind of completely throwing that one away. Just Verizon's not ready for it and whatnot. But I do think something is going to happen. Verizon has been in talks with Apple, or at least Apple uh, has been in talks with the makers of the equipment for Verizon that make me believe that there's going to be something coming out here very soon. I don't know, though, when I think the Incredible is going to be out. I think Verizon is going to push off the iPhone to have the Incredible because I think they're going to want to have that make a bigger splash. And then probably later in the year, the iPhone is going to be out. But I, I have no timeline um, other than to say I will not be surprised if it's by the end of 2010, but I have no way to corroborate that. No, and you know, Mickey, I, I really agree with you on the, the part that I, I'm just the, the fact of what the rumors we've heard and what the, the, the market feel here, especially even seeing that new prototype of the, uh, the iPhone, um, we're not going to see it here this summer for sure. I mean, it's going to be the, the late fall is my, at the earliest is my opinion is what we're going to see it. And, and possibly even early next year, it, 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 it will be coming probably here and it's, uh, but it's just not going to be the summer. So if you do need a phone here in the short term, you know, you may want to look at the incredible or the droid or, or whatever devices they have on here and just kind of be prepared uh, mentally that you may want to uh, sell that device and, and switch over to the iPhone once it does become in, uh, available. In fact, yeah, there's nothing to, to say that it's going to come out or it's not going to come out. I, I do believe it is this year, but 
uh, is that the phone for you? Is the iPhone what is going to be the best phone for you? It, it may be, it may be not. If you're someone who is, is looking for a different experience than what the iPhone gives, you know, it's, it's not going to be any different when it comes to Verizon. So, um, but if it is the, the phone that you want, then I would say maybe wait for it. Go grab something, you know, on, uh, on, on eBay or something that can get you by for a little bit until that one comes out. And there's also something, you know, that we, we haven't really ever talked about here with the Verizon iPhone is a, a service plan and what the cost may be associated with that. Um, you know, the iPhone is a premium device and I don't know how much they're going to be charging for it. Uh, there's a, a strong possibility that uh, Verizon could charge a, a pretty penny extra in order to have an iPhone, um, you know, to maybe even re- j- just to, to keep the network uh, from crashing or just to make more money because, you know, Verizon is not cheap with their plans. I mean, you pay a premium for their premium network. And I have a feeling the iPhone being a premium phone, they're going to charge a premium for that as well. So that's also something to just keep in the back of your mind. Mm, that's a very good point. It's uh, yeah, not necessarily the, you know, the way that things are right now or how they're going to be. It's, you know, again, the, the things that we talk about here are just the speculation that we have based on what we know and, and, and the market as it is right now. But boy, there is absolutely nothing uh, that we know for certain here. Otherwise, we would come out and say it and probably be very rich because of it. But unfortunately, we don't know things for sure. So anyway, good luck with that decision, though, Edward, and thanks for writing in. Finally today, comments from Adam. He says, guys, I just wanted to make sure you were aware of a few things regarding Palm and the web OS. Palm is hosting a big developers weekend right now at their headquarters. And while I could not go myself, there's been a ton of news coming out of the event regarding the future of Palm and the web OS. And yes, Adam, of course, we talked about that just a little bit ago in the software news discussion here. But thank you again for bringing that up. And he says, you can read all the details yourself. But for those that were doubting the future of Palm or thinking that they were just waiting to die and run out of money, they are sadly wrong. I cannot wait until this fall when they have uh, have a lot of these things, hopefully new hardware even deployed. And then he says, number two, I uh, have reached out to you guys in the past about the webosroundup.com's create your own Palm commercial contest. Details can be found at www.webosroundup.com slash Palm spot. I wanted to let you know that I was in the first round of voting that is currently underway and there's some really great commercials out there. And uh, so if you want to head over there, I would love uh, for you to share the main link to your viewers. They can get a clip, a glimpse of WebOS from a user slash fans perspective. Thanks again for the podcasts, Adam. And uh, thank you, Adam, for writing in. And I wanted to share that because I, I headed over there and I was watching some of these entries that they have over there. And boy, are they cool. If, if you were interested in seeing what the WebOS can do for you and you weren't really you know, all that uh, you know, int- you know, interested about it in the past just because you didn't know a lot about it, check this out, webosroundup.com. And I'll put a link in the show notes. You can just click on in the show notes, comment from Adam, and you'll be able to uh, see all the different entries that are out there. So thanks, Adam, for pointing that out. That's been uh, pretty neat and, and pretty actually eye-opening for me too as I get to see all the stuff that not only you but some of your other aficionados showed off with the webOS. Yeah, and you know, the webOS, the, the, the multitasking and, and the way it is done is awesome. I mean, when we saw it at CTA last year, it was just uh, it, it, it amazing. I mean, it even makes the iPhone navigation, you know, how you have to do that just, I mean, that's like, that's like Palm OS. I mean, that to me, the way you have to navigate the iPhone really is extremely basic as far as launching apps and going back and forth between them. It's the same thing as, as Palm OS from, you know, 12 years ago, if not more. 
Um, but the WebOS really changes it up. And just the fact that they're out there with this very powerful OS really makes everybody else have to make sure they keep their game up, especially with the multitasking uh, side of things. So uh, it, it definitely never hurts to have them out there competing. I, I, I certainly love them as an operating system. I, you know, we talk, I'll just say negatively about them sometimes just because we're trying to be realistic about it. And Adam, you know, nothing, hopefully you don't read into any of it that we're, you know, you know, totally anti-Palm because that's not, you know, the case at all. I, I, I like the I like the operating system. The hardware is is decent. I wouldn't say great, but it's okay. Um, hopefully they get some stuff out soon, like you mentioned. Hopefully that new hardware coming out this fall and uh, some good news coming out of the developers weekend. Um, great news uh, site to just to recommend if those that you want to read more about it. Precentral.net, part of the smartphone experts group of sites. They do some great great work over there. So check them out too. I wonder if we'll see a clamshell for full QWERTY keyboard. Hmm... That would be no. nice. You would like that, I think. I would like that. I don't think I could actually activate it on my particular sprint plan uh, because they've got this, this as you mentioned earlier, the crazy restriction on uh, newer devices with some of the older plans. Um, but uh, I would like that. Lots of different opportunities, I suppose, uh, for different types of hardware. They could certainly figure out something unique. They did with the Pre. That was they did yeah. a very you know very different one that we hadn't seen and have seen a couple emulations of it too. So kind of neat. If you have a question or comment for us, get in touch with us at questions at thecellphonejunkie.com or give us a call 206-203-3734 or give us a follow on Twitter, twitter.com slash tcpj underscore Mickey. That's me or Joey at twitter.com slash tcpj underscore Joey. Of course, we're also on Facebook. You can follow the group, facebook.com slash junkie. And check out the website to thecellphonejunkie.com for all the information about the stories that you've just heard, just like you hear at the end of each show. So, Joey, thank you very much, as always, for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com. 